Hey, Sticks and Stones fans, welcome back. Welcome to season two of the Sticks and Stones podcast. We are back and better than ever and cannot wait to bring you guys some good guests, some great content, some great stories from our life day to day in beautiful, sunny Florida, and many more things to come. So with that being said, I will introduce you to my co-host, Gino Reforgiata. How's it going, brother? It is going great. Um, missed recording the pod. Real life actually sucks. It's not the same luxury as being in college where we can just record an episode every Tuesday and have nothing else to worry about at night. Now we have real jobs in real life that has been getting in the way. So we apologize for the delay. Um, but the first episode that we got here for you guys, uh, is a well anticipated one and it's, it's pretty awesome. And I'm excited for you guys to hear it and hear the rest of the guests that we have lined up for the rest of this season too. Got some awesome things happening in the Sticks and Stones world, uh, as well as some awesome guests that are lined up to come on the podcast uh, in the next couple of weeks here. For sure. Well, to start off, a little little life update from me. Um, I am back in the sunny state of Florida, living back in the best city on earth, Dade City, Florida, um, back at the Roots. Um, I am currently working now as the director of True Tampa and working with the Florida State programs as well. So super excited to be back in the game of lacrosse and being able to do that as a career full time is a pretty cool opportunity. And I know Gino sitting at his desk, cold calling all day, wishes he was me um, <laughs> just to answer emails and getting the ball out on the field with the boys at night. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely busy. I mean, I've been traveling like crazy, but it's been fun. I get to see um, some of our boys, you know, shout out Timmy, Mike Brown, Jordan in Orlando, um, and then get to also travel a little bit to the South Florida, not as much, but get to see, uh, the old friend Jack Sparrow and then get to see Gino here and there kind of, he's a, he's a traveling warrior as well. He's kind of bouncing around everywhere. Um, but it's been, it's been fun. I mean, no complaints yet. I'm excited to get into kind of fall ball here. We're getting into, into our tournament schedule, going to a lot of the big ones. I mean, heading up to Delaware for that classic tournament. And then we got uh, heading up to Vegas. Pretty excited about that. That's going to be uh, one to remember. Haven't been to Vegas yet. And uh, an all expenses paid trip to Vegas, courtesy of True Lacrosse, um, should be a doozy to say the least. Going to try to see if I can fit Gino in my suitcase for that one. Yeah, I would love that. For the viewers that don't know this, Mr. Shand could be the best blackjack player on planet Earth. And it's done some of the craziest things that could ever be imagined at a blackjack table. And he's come out on top. Yeah. I mean, I, I, pre I appreciate that. And I'm glad you said it because I was thinking it. Um, but yes, I am a dog on the blackjack table and I do play a little bit risky and I'm not a little unorthodox at times. Um, and it definitely scares some people. We've had some, some comments from the peanut gallery behind me and Gino has silenced the crowd and told them quietly, to fuck off uh, <laughs> because then I win and I just turn around and tell him, shh, that's enough out of you for tonight. Hit the hay, buddy. <laughs> that one night in Tampa was at the hard rock was different. Um, we've, we've had, we've had some encounters and we've seen some characters there, but I'm sure people are thinking the same thing about us. Um, but enough about me, Gino, how's the, how's the sales cold calling life treating you? You know, it's good. Um, I got my first ever commission check, which was a little um, pick me up to, to get through the grind of cold calling. Um, it's, it's good though. I don't like being an adult. I don't like having responsibilities, but 
there's some perks to it, like going to Nashville tomorrow, which would be fun. Um, but yeah, if you, if, if you're shipping with FedEx, give me a call. <laughs> we were pumped there. I mean, we got some small business owners that tune into this. So yeah, give, give Gino a call. He'll hook you up with some deals. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, let's uh, kind of hop in a little bit into the lacrosse world. I mean, obviously we kind of took a little, little hiatus, which we weren't happy about, but we had to kind of start our lives. So we missed talking a lot about the PLL season, but obviously just to wrap it up, not getting too deep into it, but obviously water dogs coming out on top. I mean, not an ideal favorite, I would say going into the start of the year. Um, but they, they, they played, man. The second half of their season was phenomenal and their star players came to play um, and their veteran leadership. Um, you know, McCardle had a phenomenal season. Um, very impressed with him, kind of an older guy in his career. And he's kind of just coming out of nowhere. Um, typically like Flids do just coming out and scoring goals. Um, so pretty, pretty cool, um, for the water dogs to get that W, um, and kind of rolling into that. I mean, you see, it's just like funny shit you see, like in the locker room after you see, um, like barstool, big cat on there, like on a zoom on like a FaceTime call, he's like getting champagne in his face through the FaceTime, um, like the part owners of the club. So that's pretty cool stuff. Like in the sports world, like having like barstool connected, um, with a team in the PLL in the lacrosse world is, is pretty funny. And like his Twitter is fucking hilarious, man. Like he literally like talks shit about the team that he owns all the time. Oh, yeah? And like, he like, he literally posted and was like, Oh, like they're in like the final, like, cool. Like who cares? And then like they won and he was like, Oh shit. All right. Like, this is cool. Like my That's team. Party. Yeah, party. <laughs> That's party. No, that is, that is actually a really good point. I kind of forgot that Barstool is kind of like affiliated with the, the water dogs. Um, but I honestly, I thought the Water Dogs were going to win the first round of the playoffs, but I did not see them making the run that they did. Um, and I, I honestly, like um, Shannon said, I, I didn't follow the PLL as much as I would have hoped after getting absolutely put in a body bag and stuffed absolutely so disrespectfully. Um, from the the fantasy for the PLL, um, I didn't really follow it as much as I I want, would have wanted to. But just from like the little bits and pieces that I've watched, um, the Water Dogs are good. They're very young. Um, I think they're gonna be the team to beat for the next couple of years. I think them and the Atlas, if the Atlas ever kind of puts it all together. Um, it's gonna be them running the te- running the league as opposed to the Whips in the next three to five years. The Whips are getting old. Um, not that Matt Rambo's at the end of his career, but a guy like Michael Sowers and, you know, Jack Anna are young bloods in comparison to some of those older guys on the whip snakes and across the league, um, on the Redwoods. Um, and, and they're a young team. Zach Kerr's like they're most, one of the most veteran guys. He's what, 26, four years out of college. Um, I think they're going to be really good. Got arguably the best goalie in the game. Obviously next to Blaze, but I think I think Dylan Ward, um, he's so unorthodox in the way that he plays. And I, it really kind of kind of showed throughout the playoffs. Um, and that guy also won NLL and PLL this year. Yeah, Dylan Ward had a year. <laughs> That's actually so cool. <laughs> yeah, 
starting goalie NLL, starting goalie PLL, absolute weapon. We got to get that guy on the pod because he's got he's definitely got some stories just from this year, but on top of other stuff. He also, yeah, he also won the Sixes World Championship this year as well. Um, so guy had guy, guy, yeah, guy guy had a summer. Guy had a summer. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff going on. Also, kind of in the in the sticks and stones realm. Um, we also launched our website, which is pretty exciting. Um, shout out Shopify for helping us out and kind of getting us through the process of that. Um, but we, uh, we put in some, some work and we got that finished. So pretty excited about that. Definitely give that a check out, uh, sticks and stones, blacks.org, um, for all of your sticks and stones apparel info, our podcast links will be on there. Um, yeah, I mean, basically anything sticks and stones across, you'll find it on there from our tournament schedule to our new apparel. We just did our October drop, um, I guess about 10 days ago. Um, so that's pretty, pretty exciting. We got some pretty cool apparel on there and we're starting to make some traction kind of in the apparel game and kind of forming our brand. So that's pretty exciting and kind of just looking forward to hopefully getting to some events this fall um, in the Florida area, kind of all across the state, hopefully maybe one in South Florida, maybe get a little bit north towards uh, Jacksonville, St. Augustine area because we haven't really touched up there yet. Um, and maybe hopefully by hopefully by summer we can get out of state and maybe travel around a bit, which would be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, just super excited to be back, back on the pod and kind of talking with some people. Um, I mean, we got, we got a great interview coming up too, which we're pretty excited about. And we've been, we've been dying to get them on for a very long time. So, I mean, unless you got anything else, you know, it might be time to turn it over. Yeah, I think that's the the perfect segue into an awesome interview with Chris Burke, St. Leo alum and Wabash College current head coach. Um, it's really you know inspiring story, um, and just you know speaks to the way that he carries himself. Um, me not knowing him personally, kind of learning more about his story. Um, was just super interested um, and just speaks volumes to what the game of lacrosse can do to um, somebody's life. And um, yeah, um, let's kick it over to the interview. Hey, right, Sticks and Stones fans, it's been a while, but we're back. Today's guest is an old teammate and friend of mine who has had a very unique trip through life to where he is now. The Virginia Beach native was a member of the United States Marine Corps and was a Purple Heart recipient. After finishing with the Marines, he was given an opportunity to attend St. Lee University, where his brother was a member of the men's lacrosse team. After his playing career, he jumped into the coaching world and became the assistant coach at Maryville University. After, oh, and now is the head coach of Wabash College. Been trying to get this guy on since the beginning of our podcast, so we're super pumped that we finally made it happen. Welcome, Chris Burke. How's it going, my friend? I appreciate it, man. I really appreciate it. I'm pumped to be here, man. No, of course. I mean, obviously, we've we've crossed paths many, many years ago, and it's been a while since we've we've seen each other. But um, obviously, good to always keep in contact. We're always texting and bullshitting about some stuff, so it's obviously good to get you on here and actually be able to tell your story and kind of talk a little bit about what you got going on right now. So, I mean, just to get rolling, like, talk to us just a bit about kind of your backstory back in the day. I mean, obviously, I'm pretty sure from my knowledge, lacrosse has been in your family for a long time. Um, so yeah. talk to us a little bit about how it got started as a young kid. Yeah, I mean, um, my father, he grew up in Long Island. And uh, I actually didn't know this, but uh, he was part of like a Cinderella team that made a big run in the playoffs um, his senior year, which is pretty crazy to kind of hear stories about it, you know, way after the fact. Right. Um, but then he joined the Navy um, 
moved to Virginia, uh, where he met my mother. Um, I was born there. My brother was born there, Ryan. Um, and uh, to be honest with you, he, he, he always had his hands in the lacrosse community, um, really helped build the youth program there. Um, as a kid, you don't really realize how much he did. Um, you know, uh, but he, you know, he, he ran the, the Hampton Road Juice lacrosse um, and then coached high school for a long time and actually won. I want to say he won his first state state title last year with Kellum High School. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. So like he's been around for a bit and uh, to see him actually kind of win one was pretty cool. Um, you know, so he, he he did that. I think he had been in like four. He was like the Buffalo Bills of uh, of uh, the state championships in Virginia there for a bit. Um, which hey, so don't be talking bad about the Bills. The Bills are firing. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get one, man. Got to get one. Um, you know, it's it, it was so it's kind of it's kind of funny. We throw the joke in there um, every now and then. And actually, my parents both grew, uh, graduated from St. Leo while they were in the Navy. Um, so oddly enough, I'm a fourth like fourth legacy guy um of saint leo um non-intentional I, I i like to believe um but then uh you know i i to be honest with you i i wasn't a very driven kid um i had a ton of talent i had really good virginia east coast schools looking looking to to add me to the roster and then the the conversation of student and uh gpa would come up and that's pretty much when that phone call just click you know um so it was a, it, it, it was, uh, I, I really took a lot for granted, um, as a young, as a young man, um, my parents were always driven and really tried to push me to do better things. And I, I, I probably made their job way harder than it needed to be. Um, so I, I, to be honest with you, I didn't think I was a college student for a long time. Um, had a pretty decent job, decent pay, didn't have much purpose, um, and obviously, as this was all going on, we were in Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, Norfolk Naval Base is the biggest naval base in the country. So, you know, I'm just surrounded by the military. Both my really good friends were both military. One was Navy, one was Marine Corps. Um, and I just decided to walk into a recruiter's office and kind of sign the paperwork. And I, I gave every, uh, every branch their due diligence. But uh, when I walked into the Marine Corps, you know, I was an angry young, young, uh, young man. So felt like the Marine Corps was a good spot for me. Um, so I, I ended up signing the paperwork and in a month I was in boot camp. Um, and so I, I gave up on the opportunity to play college lacrosse. Um, meanwhile, Ryan was in high school um, at Bishop Sullivan Catholic. I think it's just Catholic high school now um, doing big things. And uh, he walked on at St. Leo um, all while I was in the Marine Corps. Um, you know, and so, um, that's kind of the background of it. You know, I, I, I kind of kicked rocks and gave up on lacrosse for a long time and it's, it's given me a really unique perspective, but we'll talk about that. No, of course. I mean, that's definitely a good transition into kind of the military aspect of your life. I mean, so obviously, um, your father <clears throat> being in the Navy, did you say your mom was in the Navy as well? Yeah, both, both parents were Navy. Um, to be honest with you, they both grew up in, 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 um, not the I, I would say not the the most affluent um neighborhoods or, or or situations um and so they they found their way out and um they met in the navy um mom actually served in the fbi for 30 plus years as well so 
um, continue, continuously surf the country, which is pretty crazy. Now that I think about it, you know, um, but uh, dad ended up getting out of the Navy when I was born. Mom ended up getting out of the Navy when I was born. Dad started doing business and mom, uh, mom joined the FBI. So. Gotcha. Would you say that that was probably, I mean, obviously you said it was, you were just angry kid, didn't really know what you wanted to do with yourself. So you yeah. kind of figured, found a home um, in the Marine, but would you say probably that their influence kind of had a big piece in that of them being both in the military and kind of, but I mean, you didn't really get to experience them in the military, but you probably heard some stories and such. Yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, when I talked to my parents about how they, they, you know, they parented me, um, they let me make mistakes, you know, and I still live with that way this, to this day is I, I make a ton of mistakes and I gain a lot of experience and I try to learn from them. Um, you know, and I owe that all to my parents, you know, by, whether it was religion, whether it was, you know, schooling, whether it's, you know, they, they, as much as they really wanted to have a hands-on approach, they knew that it was probably the right way to let me just do things and figure it out on my own. And eventually I, I figured it out, I guess, <laughs> you know, um, I kind of look at where I'm at now and people are like, wait, you're, you're getting kids into a school that you could never have gotten into, you know, and, and, and providing them an opportunity that you kind of took for granted. And, um, you know, I, I, I really owe it all to my parents. You know, they, they, I wouldn't say that they pushed me into the military at all. They knew, in fact, they didn't know I signed the paperwork. Um, I walked in all, all on my own. I signed the paper. I said, I gotta get, I gotta do something else in my life. And I walk in, <laughs> I walk into the house and I go, Hey, um, you know, in a month I'm, I'm, I'm going to be going to boot camp, And my, my dad was like, Oh, well, it's about time. <laughs> so, so he was, he was probably already on edge. Like he was already ready for, for me to go the opposite, you know, just get out of the house. Um, and, and, and mom, mom kind of shed a tear. Dad was, dad was pretty happy. He probably, uh, probably had a few for that, you know, a little cel celebratory drink after that. But, um, you know, it was, it, it was, they just let me make mistakes, man. You know, so oh, Brian, Brian was the good kid. Brian was the good kid. He learned from all of my mistakes. Yeah. Um, he, had, so, he had, he had a good role model up top. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You could say that good, a yeah. good, a good, what not to do mentor, you know, um, no. he learned from my, my bad experiences. Well, you know, exactly. Uh, I mean, obvi obviously keep continuing to touch kind of on your military background. Obviously I was able to learn a little bit about your story. Um, like the brief year we played together. Um, but obviously, awesome kind of especially being a Canadian kid and not really kind of understanding yeah. what it takes to be a part of like the U.S. military and no matter what branch you're in um, but being able to kind of bring that to our team and being able to kind of give like us that opportunity to kind of recognize it in regards to playing the military appreciation game which was awesome like that was one of like the coolest experiences I've ever had and like I still have like my jersey like hung up like I, I got an extra jersey hung put it in a frame for my dad for Christmas like it's it's such like a cool tradition that like being a Canadian kid, like obviously we have our military as well, but it's just, it's not the same. I mean, like down here, you guys are so patriotic and it's, it's so awesome to see, especially guys like you who leave the military, do something else with your life, but still remember those times. And obviously the, the stuff that you went through there and like, it's just, it's awesome to kind of see, but like talk to us a little bit about how like, like why why you do that as a veteran why do you continue to kind of tell those stories and kind of live on the legacy for people like me and other players that you got to play with that kind of had no idea I mean to be honest with you there's there's a little bit of selfishness in there you know um not, not intentionally but um you know when I 
when I was in Afghanistan, I, I actually emailed every school in Florida because I hadn't seen my brother in years. Um, and I, I really wanted to get an opportunity to play with Ryan because I never had that. You know, we, I think we're, we're six years apart, so we always missed each other by a year, you know, not to mention I wasn't getting into a private school and my parents weren't going to pay for that. So, um, you know, we always missed playing with each other. And so the opportunity existed where, holy crap, I can actually go play college lacrosse. Um, obviously, it would be paid for by by the government, like so I don't have to carry any debt. Um, but the other part of that, um, I mean, the major part of that was trying to play with Ryan and, and reconnecting with Ryan. Um, you know, again, like I, I mean, I was in Japan for two years, um, and I would come home for Christmas for 15 days and then I would fly back to Japan, <laughs> you know? And so like talk about an empty flight, it was wild. Like I had rows to myself, um, you know, it was, it was so it was kind of crazy. Um, so anytime I came home, Ryan was in college, you know, and so like, I, I didn't get to even see Ryan half the time. Um, so I hadn't seen Ryan in a long time and trying to reconnect with him. And uh, honestly, I was a totally different person, you know, than than what he remembered. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I, I kind of um, saw an opportunity to, you know, possibly get back home and, and, and play the game that I think I could could have still played um, the game I loved, but I think the other part of it was that I think my time was up in the Marine Corps. Um, you know, I, I I had a I had a couple of really bad days in Afghanistan where they weighed heavy on me, um, and I remember leaving after one of <laughs> getting back from a patrol one of those days and just emailing a ton of coaches and Coach Jorgensen was the first one to get back to me. Um, and to be honest with you, if Ryan wasn't such a good kid, I'm not sure I would have even gotten an opportunity, you know, um, <laughs> if, if Ryan, if Ryan sucked, Jorgensen probably wouldn't have emailed me back. He'd be like, yeah, no, we don't need two of these guys. Um, you know, um, and so, um, he got back to me immediately and I was like, you know what, that would be an amazing opportunity. And so when I got out, um, honestly, right after I got back from Afghanistan, we're talking like two months. Um, so I got back October, November from Afghanistan. And then, um, it, I mean, in January, I, I was out of the Marine Corps. And um, I lived with my ex up in Indiana for a bit. Oddly enough, I'm here now, um, you know, and uh, lived in Indiana for a bit uh, with her and then made the decision to try and walk on at St. Leo. Um, turned out I blew out my knee in Afghanistan. So that held that up. Um, and I don't know if you know a lot about the VA healthcare system, but at that time it was not very smooth. Um, there wasn't a lot of really good customer service, if you will. Um, and so I had, a, I had some issues there getting the surgery. I get down to Leo and I said, you know what, if I have one season on a bad wheel and I get to play with Ryan, I'll do it they wouldn't let me do it. <laughs> they wouldn't let me do it. Um, so Dr. Nofsinger re, redid, reconstructed my whole knee um, and, and really got me up, but I missed a year playing with Ryan. Um, and so it was a little bit of selfishness, um, you know, and, and a lot of luck, um, you know, and, and to be honest with you, a ton of will. Like I noticed, um, I, I thought that leaving i mean that's a short stint to become you know go from combat to becoming a college student 
a little and the odd guy in the room 26 27 years old as a freshman you know um so like this odd old guy in the, in the locker room is kind of kind of weird right and so um there was a lot going on in, in my head alone um but i really tried to not become a number you know i it, there was a huge huge push for you know like veteran suicide and mental health and things like that and i thought about that on a daily basis i lost marines to that uh that lost that battle and um i thought about that on a daily basis i just didn't want to be one of those numbers i wanted to do something different and i wanted to kind of hopefully pave a way um for for veterans that you know honestly have it worse than i did um to give them hope and dreams that they they could possibly be a part of another locker room and a part of another brotherhood and family and um that really honestly pushed me to try and transition over to being a college athlete and whether i sucked or not didn't really matter you know and i was pretty damn bad <laughs> i wasn't i wasn't like if it's bad we'll talk about the lacrosse here in a bit but um you know i i just wanted to be the best that i could um i wanted to um you know paved that way for other veterans um, in the community. And then I, I, I also wanted to share my experiences with people like yourself that, 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 that possibly have never understood those types of people. Um, and so it, it, it was like, there, I wish there was like a simple answer for it, but there was just so many things that went through my head um, when I decided to try and walk on and, and do those things and do something, to be honest with you, it, it, I always got to do something challenging. You know, um, it's painful. It, it it hurts. It sucks sometimes. You hate losing more than you love winning. You know, and and all these things. And you know, you you often don't improve at the rate that which you want to improve. You know, and so there was all these challenges. But I think at the end of the day, it had a lot to do with all of those things. You know, it had to do with the veteran community. It had to do with um, helping helping another community kind of understand our our community as as veterans um and then there was a little bit of selfishness in there that was like you know what i want to i want to be great and i want to do something that nobody else does and um you know that that all of those things really drove me every day so um and you kind of touched on it like with your recruiting process and and we all know coach jorgensen and you know know what kind of guy he is but talk us through like those conversations that you had with him before even stepping foot on campus and then um kind of like that first you know two months of fall ball like your relationship with Jorgo and how it continued to what it is today <laughs> yeah I mean uh to be honest with you I sat I had a recruiting visit <laughs> I've had a recruiting visit I checked it out I hung out with Ryan I saw Ryan for the first time in three years or something like that it was wild um, I met Coach Musi at the time, who is who is still a guy I reach out to today, um, and I, I I never got coached by him. Um, but I, I Jorgensen was like, listen, man, I'll, you know I'll give you a shot, you know, and and I'll be honest with you, he gave me an opportunity that many weren't. You know, they were just like, this guy doesn't have anything to offer, right? And um, there was guys that didn't respond to my email, you know, in Florida, in. Virginia, all over the country, like people didn't respond to my email, coaches. And this guy did, you know? And so um, for me, it, it he set it all up. He's like, come visit, come check it out. Let's let's make sure it's for you. And 
to do that to a guy that honestly is an unproven athlete, like he understood that I probably have something to give to that program. And I don't think a lot of people, it could have been very easy to make a lacrosse decision and go, yeah, this guy's not going to, he's not going to make it. Right. Um, Jorgensen didn't do that. And then I get there and I, I, my knee, my knee's blown out, you know? And so I, I remember even calling him with that and going, Hey, I blew up my knee and I got to get it done. And recovery for a 27 year old guy, um, that is, you know, that, that keeps grinding the way I grind. Um, the recovery process was a lot longer than your typical, you know, 18, 19 year old kid. And so, um, I think all of those things, uh, made, made me really treasure Jorgensen a lot. Um, the other pieces, dude, I was a terrible student, a terrible, like we're talking, <laughs> I wonder, if, uh, you know what? I wonder if Jorgensen still remembers my GPA from high school. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was haunting. Uh, it was bad. Um, like did uh, like people ask me, did I even go to class? And I don't remember. Um, it, it's one of those things. And the school wasn't going to let me in. And Jorgensen was like, listen, this guy is, he's older. Look at his, you know, look at his military record. We talk about veteran community. Like he had that battle for me. And for a guy that he has no idea can play lacrosse. <laughs> doesn't know what type of person I am, you know, like other than an email and meeting face to face. Um, he put forth the effort to bring me in. Like I was a regular recruit. And I, I think, um, in this day and age, I think that's pretty special. And so he gave me an opportunity. And then on top of that, once I blew out my knee, um, he sat me down and talked to me and goes, listen, coach for us, coach for us, relearn the game. It's not like you were going to come in and play right away anyways you're not losing years of eligibility come in coach for us and then when you're ready you can step back on you can step on the field and I think that was an amazing opportunity as well as because like I wasn't even Bogos when I was playing in high school you know and so like it's a whole new game um you know and so it really reintroduced me to the game but it introduced me to coaching um it introduced me to the team um and I took a unique path of coaching for two years as a volunteer assistant and then playing, um, which I, I honestly have never heard anybody else do. Um, so, it, again, it's like one of those things where he gave me all of these opportunities and I owe that I owe that man a lot, you know, and I, to this day, I'll still text him. And, you know, if, to be honest with you, if there's a recruit I can't get. Jorgensen's one of the first guys I call and say, hey, you should probably give this guy a look um, because I, I, I know. I know that he's a guy that's going to treasure that, you know, he's, he, he's a really good dude. And I think at the end of the day, um, you can know shit else about lacrosse, but if you're a good guy and you treat your people with love and respect, they're willing to go out there and win some games for you. And I learned a ton from him just because of that alone, you know? Um, but again, it, it's, I think it comes back to him giving me an opportunity when others would not, you know? hundred percent. I mean, like knowing, knowing coach Jorgensen, obviously like all three of us playing for him. Um, like I'm not taking anything away from his X's and O's ability. Cause he is, he knows a ton about the game, but in regards to being a player's coach and kind of just building those relationships, like that is his strongest, his strongest trait in my opinion. And it's worked for him. 
Like we had some successful years and we've had some awesome teammates because of that, because he's recruited guys that are good people first and then they become great athletes and great lacrosse players. So, I mean, obviously we've, we've all experienced it through different, different paths. So it's pretty cool in that aspect, but I guess, again, great transition kind of into your playing career. I mean, obviously I only got to play with you for a year, but kind of you touched on it a bit. Like for the people that don't know, Chris Burke has the scariest first check of all time. But I will say, all you got to do is run through that. When you're like me, skinny, fast guy, you just got to run through that first check. It's going to hurt. You're going to want to cry. But once you get through that first check, that's all. That's, that's usually all he's got. And then he's like, all right, I just got my check on you. You can go now. If you can make it through yeah. this, you can have the goal. <laughs> I was a hack, man. I learned it from my dad. Yeah. Um, hey, me and Lissick used to get into it all the time. Me and Lissick used to get into it all the time. Oh yeah. Put away the ax, Bert. Put away the ax. Yeah, no, he was Chris is like um, one of the scariest I mean, guys. A, one of the scariest I mean, I guys. Good, man. You know, like I, I just I knew what my role was, you know. Um I, I thought I was, you know, it, it's kind of funny. Um my first year I was awful, you know. I uh, I I came in and I go this was after the second year and coach Hortonson actually sits me down and he goes, listen, we want to give you a paid spot on staff. And I said, I want to play. I came here to play. And I think Jorgensen really respected that. Um, but I think he also, uh, you know, he's looking at his roster. He goes, okay, well, we need a seventh defenseman. <laughs> I haven't played in 10 years. So, you know, I'll do whatever you want, man. Like whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. Whatever's going to get me on the field, I will do it. And, um, I think he knew I was, I was pretty dead serious. Like I was serious. Like whatever you're going to tell me to do, I'm going to do it. If you need me to fight somebody, I'll fight somebody. Like, I don't care. Put me on the field. Um, and, um, he, he, he said, okay, well, we need a poll. And if you want to play, that's what I would do. And I, Sessa was the uh, assistant coach at the time before Cotter and Sessa goes, Sessa tells me to get to 190. I mean, I'm five seven on a good day. <laughs> so 190 means um I look like a running back. <laughs> a very small running back, but a running back. Um, and so like I, I go, okay. I came back 195 and slow as hell. <laughs> but I was strong. <laughs> I was strong as shit. Um, so I I, I kind of went through this whole body chain like, I mean, I was in the gym. I worked in the gym. I ate seven or eight meals a day, all chicken, rice, and broccoli. And I just deadlifted through the roof. I lifted, like, I just became an athlete that could run for about 10 yards. <laughs> so, so I became this crazy athlete that, you know, that nobody expected. I come back and my stick was okay. You know, I obviously still had really good understanding of the game. I was an attackman in high school, so I had kind of an offensive mindset already. Um, and I mean, I was just bad, man. I didn't know how to play defense. Didn't know my angles had bad footwork. Um, you know, still coming off of a knee injury, so like um, I didn't let that stop me. But I probably could have recovered a lot, lot better. Um, you know, I probably could have took it a little bit slower, and I would have been in better shape. Um, but I don't do things that way. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I came in my freshman year, I wasn't a great lacrosse player. 
Um, and Jorgensen still put me in games. And I'm sitting there like, all right, all right, you're putting me in. Okay, whatever happens now is up to you. Like, <laughs> that's your fault. Um, and I, I remember the first time I get in, and then we, we played, we're playing Lee's McCray. Um, and <laughs> and it's like two minutes left, but I'm just excited to just be on the field. I mean, I'm 28 years old, you know, and so 28 year old freshman lacrosse player gets on the field, you know, and I, I, I got on the field before other people. And, and I, so I looked at it and went, okay, I'm doing some things right. Like I need to continue to, to do this, the, this way, but I get on the field, please McCray, make a couple stops. <laughs> and then with like, I mean, we were up, I can't even remember the score, but we had to be up by 20. We had to be up by 20. And, um, they just hawk this ball down with like five seconds left. Guy gets behind me, catches the ball and scores. <laughs> and I, I, I turned, I turned to Jorgensen and he is, he's dying laughing on the, on the sideline. And I'm just like, he's like, dude, always go for the, never go for the ball. Cause I tried to catch the ball and just throw it back. He's, and, and I was like, Oh, life lesson, you know? Um, but I, I got in some of those games as a freshman at that age and, it was, it was a pretty unique experience, but again, I was terrible, but it, it, it honestly gave me enough hope that it, I knew I was going to work, you know, like I, I knew I was going to start working on some things and, um, you know, I put in my, you know, an hour to 30 minutes on the wall every day. I was like, okay, if I'm going to play defense, I'm going to be a clearing machine. I'm going to always make the right play. I'm gonna always like, I'm not going to do anything crazy. I don't need to be creative. You know, we got tie search for that. Um, I don't need to be creative. I just need to get the ball up the field. And I need to be able to catch and throw everything. And so I got really good at catching and throwing and just the fundamentals of the game. Didn't really work on the defensive aspects of the game, to be honest with you. Um, worked on footwork here and there, but that, that shit's tedious. You don't know why you ever wants to do that. Um, so I really worked on my angles. I knew I didn't have fast feet, so I'm going to be better at angles and I'm going to force people to a slide. I'm going to get beat either way. I'm 30 years old. I shouldn't be on the field. So yeah, you're um, just working on your, your two hand. You're just working on slashing. Right. My arm. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'm going to make people not want to dodge. That was, that, that was, that was it worked. Key. It worked. <laughs> I would just, I'd just be a swing guy in practice. I'm like, Oh yeah. Next guy have it. I don't want it. Next guy. Have yeah, it. Yeah. Well, it's funny because Phil was the, Phil, Phil bouquet was the only one that would dodge me. Yeah. He's, he's a psycho. Every day because <laughs> guy gets hard off getting hit. Yeah, it's, it's so weird. Um, so, so it, you know, I, I developed a better IQ of the game and started – I stopped trying to be a takeaway guy too. Like, it stopped being that one check and more about, okay, I'm going to time this check a little bit better, but I'm going to throw this check and it's going to hurt, and then I'm going to go ahead and, and go to work. And I, I started to understand what type – what my role was on the team. And I mean, again, we had Jake By, we had Sarekia. This was all your freshman year, right? Yep. So we had, I mean, we had some fast, smart defensemen. Tice Hurst, Buckley, um, you know, Eric Lee, um, all of those guys, man. I just kind of grew up with that. Andrew Roll was was the year prior to you? Or yep. was that your freshman year? No, he was the year um, before me, but I know who he is. He was the year before you. So a super smart guy. Um, always on the field, always in the right spot, could knock down balls left and right. Like, um, he's a Yorktown guy. So he was from, uh, he's from Long Island. Um, but he's a super smart kid. And I learned, I actually learned a lot from him, um, because he was this 
he didn't have to be the fastest defender, but he always cleared the ball really well, had it, had the best stick on the team. Like, I don't, I don't think in four years I ever saw that kid drop a ball and um, just really high IQ, you know? And so I, I looked at that and went, okay, well, he's graduating. I need to become him because we don't have that after him. And so I, I really started focusing on man down, off ball, clearing the ball at a high rate, being the best athlete that I could, um, and then just being a leader. And I, I think once I found my groove and stopped trying to be the, a certain person and, I, and I, I just started having fun, I developed into this guy that was an off-ball guy that, you know, it, yeah, you could probably beat me on a dodge, but you're gonna get, I'm going to get beat to where I want to get beat, where I know Jake By is sliding or Eric Lee's coming body. Like, I know. So I, I really developed this this different type of mentality as a as a player um, that that honestly, it, it, it just turned me into a better player. I, I don't think anybody would have projected that I would have been on the field against Tampa and Limestone. And and, and to be to be perfectly honest with you, the Limestone, I bring up Limestone. I mean, they beat us that year. Pretty good. Pretty good. They beat us pretty good that year. Um, but. I think um, I go on for man down, get a ground ball, clear it, and then come right off the field. <laughs> and and I go, I mean, I was feeling it, though. Like, I, I did all the uh, – we made the right rotations. We moved the ball the correct way. We got the ball off the field. And I was like – I remember calling my dad after the game and going, yeah, you know, we're just – we always talk about the game. Always. He watches every game. And so he's like – I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but man, I was really feeling it today. Like that's a play, you know, it, it, it was a play that I couldn't make as a freshman and I shouldn't have been on the field as a freshman, but Jordanson trusted me enough to put me on the field against those big teams. Um, but I, 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 I'm sitting there telling my dad this, I'm like, man, I really, I felt like I could have stayed on that field and we would have, we would have been okay. And he goes, Chris, you're 30 years old. You shouldn't be on the damn field. <laughs> and I was like, shit, I didn't think about that. I, I, I'm always just thinking about being a, being a lacrosse player. And so like there, there was moments that I, I had those thoughts like that, but um, I mean, to get on the field and, you know, I, I think at one point it took a dodge from Q at, at 30 years old. That's nuts, man. Like that's crazy. You know, and it's, 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 it, I could be on the field for 30 seconds and it, I treasure that, that 30 seconds. And I think um, that was my career. And like, I wasn't this guy that was going to go out and get a million ground balls and take shots and do this and do that. And I just, I was the guy that I, I, I called coach Jorgensen and I asked him when I was an assistant coach in Maryville and I asked him, I was like, so why, why put me on the field? And he, he goes, he goes, because I knew exactly what you were going to do every time, every single time I knew exactly you were, he's like, you were consistent. You knew exactly what you were going to do. I knew you weren't going to do anything crazy. If I need to clear the ball, you clear the ball, you know? And so it was, it, it, it that was my career. I was Mr. Consistency. I was game manager. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a, that's a great way to describe it. I mean, like, that's a great thing for like kids to learn as well. Like high school or even youth, like, it's just crazy because people don't realize like it's tough to like get on. First of all, even get on the roster at a college level, second off, be able to play first off as a freshman, a little bit, as well as like just play in general in college. There's a lot of guys that go four years and don't touch the field maybe once 
Um, right. So like, like treasuring like that 32nd man downshift or two or three of those a game, or just being able to be like the best teammate you can be. I mean, I've had, I've played for so many different teams, box field, different levels. Um, and like by far, like one of the best teammates I've ever had is you, you were the best leader, best teammate by far. I learned so much as an 18 year old kid coming from Canada, learning from a 33 year old senior, um, which is just like phenomenal. I mean, it was, it was awesome experience. Like I was like, I tell people all the time, like, like sometimes like you'll come up whatever conversation they're like, Oh, like, that's like, so like crazy, like whatever. And I was like, yeah, I was like, but like, he, he changed like our team culture and our outlook on a lot of things. Um, while also being like a force when you got the opportunity to play. Um, but I think by far not taking anything away from your lacrosse ability, but your leadership and like your guidance was phenomenal. I know I'm not just speaking for myself. I'm speaking for everyone that had the opportunity to play with you by far. Um, in, in all the years that I've played, not even close. It means a lot, man. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's true. It's true. Well, I mean, I guess from there we'll transition kind of after the playing career into kind of, your coaching career obviously you you got to coach young into your college before you even got to play but then you got to play and then moved on kind of into the coaching realm um and i'm not mistaken right it was straight from college to maryville or do you have something in between no i um brian actually found me that job <laughs> i i honestly coming from st leo i didn't know what i wanted to do you know i i had some journalism background so i i, I, ta I dabbled in that um you know and and <laughs> It was a, I, I've always put myself in pretty dangerous situations. <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, I, 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 it was highly recommended that I don't do that. Um, you know, and so, um, you know, I, I was like, you know what, like Ryan met Mitch, uh, Mitch Schaefer, who played at Lake Erie while we were there, while we were at Leo. And um, played for Coach Stocks, who's an incredible coach as well. Um, and he was the assistant coach at Maryville their first year. I didn't even know Maryville existed our senior year. I, I my senior year, I, I had no idea that who these people were. Um, that guy didn't make it very far. He did. I don't even think he lasted the first season. Um, they won one game, and it was against a club team, a bad club team. You know. Um, and Mitch was the assistant coach and I want to say he just had his birthday and he had to get on the bus and go to Colorado by himself <laughs> as a 22, 23 year old guy. He might've been, I say this all the time. He had to be the youngest head coach in NCAA history had to be, I, I don't think there could have been anybody younger than him. Um, so it was his first job. And so basically I took his job. He became the head coach. He was the interim. He got the job. Um, he ran into Ryan. Ryan goes, you should probably talk to my brother. He's, you know, he's looking for something to do. <laughs> and uh, he's a defensive guy. And Mitch was looking for a defensive guy. And they get there. And um, so I, I, I leave sunny Tampa for uh, for for cloudy St. Louis. Um, I get to St. Louis and um, I me and Mitch just hit it off, man. Like, it's kind of funny. I, at heart, I think I still was a little bit of a college kid, you know, like we, we, like we can talk about that a little bit later, but um, you know, it, 
it's two-sided. You know, you said I, I, you learned a lot from me, but I actually learned a ton from you guys. And um, I think I think one of the things that it, it, it brought me back to reality a little bit because <laughs> because freshman Burke was a was a little bit of a weirdo. <laughs> Still kind of strange, but I was definitely I was definitely off off the rocker on in my freshman year. Um, so you guys kind of took a little bit of that edge off um, and made me a little bit more youthful. Um, and honestly, I don't think I would be where I'm at if I didn't have you guys in that locker room to kind of take that edge off. Um, I really, uh, when I got to Maryville, me and Mitch just hit it off like it was two college buddies, you know? And we, I think our biggest thing was like, we have nothing to lose. We have nothing to lose. We're, it's a, from all, all of our expectations were, we, we had some goals, but I mean, we hadn't beaten anybody. We hadn't even won an NCAA game at that point. And so we had to take this ragtag group of guys that Mitch might have recruited some of them, but they weren't like really, really his guys. Um, and we had to take this group of young men and, and really turn them into a lacrosse program. And so Mitch hiring me, I think did a lot for him on the cultural aspect, um, the leadership aspect. I added some age to the, to the coaching staff. Um, but he was a player's coach, man. Like the guys loved him. I learned so much from that guy. Um, you know, and it, we really just two totally different ends of the spectrum where I was kind of the hammer, you know, like it was, he really was the guy that kind of softened it up, you know, and, so we played a really gritty style of defense. We only had, I think, I mean, we had one true attackman on the roster, you know? And so like, <laughs> we, we really focused on high pressure defense and just, we're just going to go and we're going to create this foundation of full speed, full speed mistakes. And we're just going to keep going. And we made the playoffs our first year. Um, you know, so we made, we, we, we won five games, five NCAA games and beat the right five teams, you know, and we, we get, we end up making it as a, as the fourth seed. And so um, we were top 10 in cause turnovers in the country. Um, the next year we brought in the biggest class ever to Maryville. And I mean, it was a ton of skill on that roster. Now um, she, uh, Mitch's brother ended up coming over from Lake Erie. Um, I'll be honest with you. One of the best attackmen I've ever seen. I like, eh, he was incredible. Like he just was incredible. Um, and that was a year we, we, we played St. Leo. Um, they came to us. Um, but it, it was, it, I mean, Andy was a lefty, you know, like it's it just a gold mine and he's a gold mine of a human being. Like he was exactly when, when Mitch, when Mitch was like, yeah, my brother's coming. I gave, I gave Luke a call and I told him, I was like, listen, you're going to get your points, man. I get that. We need you to come in and instill the culture. And he did it from day one. He was always the last one off the field. He was the first one to finish his sprints. He was like, and I mean, this guy's coming off a knee surgery. Like he's just a gritty ball player, but on top of that had incredible lacrosse skill and for all intents and purposes should not be at Maryville, should not be there. And um, because of that, you know, like I found myself kind of lucky that that we had guys um, 
that started believing in the in the program. And then we built it with the freshmen that we had on the defensive side, which we had some really skilled upstate New York guys. Um, we went out and found some Canadians. <laughs> you know, I, I really focus on Canada. Um, and Mitch would would bring in the New York guys and then we would build it with a lot of little Midwest guys here and there. Um, and we we ended up having this just really, really gritty style of lacrosse that uh, it was kind of grimy. Like we just we just we just embraced the griminess of our team a little bit. Um, uh, like we had this one upstate New York defender, um, Tim McCarthy, loud, loud, obnoxious, like you, you talk about Flid. Like he was that type of guy, you know, like it, it was, you know, but he brought this style of leadership that um, it honestly, he, he wasn't, he wasn't going to shut up if he's right, you know, like, listen, man, we need to run through this drill because, you know, and so we, we really started to build this culture of grit and it was really cool to kind of build that program that way. Um, and going into that second year, we won nine games. Um, we were ranked for the first time. Uh, we beat St. Leo. Uh, that was our first ranked win. It'd be nice, all right. Hey, <laughs> it was, dude. I mean, talk about talk about storybook, right? Like, I got to I got to be a part of that. Like, it was it it was you know Ryan was the offensive coordinator, you know, and Jorgensen was standing there, and like we, I'm just like the guys came and played the game. Like we had a really good strategy. And I remember some of the guys, I'm not going to point out any people, but I remember somebody coming off the bus and telling me I, they hope I had a game plan for them. And uh, that person didn't have many points. Um, so I had a game plan. Um, I don't think that, I hope that wasn't me. No, it was not you. Okay, I didn't think so. I was like, I'm not, not that you. type of guy. I don't, I don't think I, I mean, talked to you before the game. You. When me and Mitch sat down, the game plan was, we're going to go ahead and let Phil get his points. Kurtenbach will not get his points. And that was our game plan. So we double pulled that, that, that left side, let him beat the first guy, switch everything, and really just apply pressure and go off the doubles to him. And let's, let's make this guy make a play. And um, then we took Tysers. We tried to take him out of transition right away. So we put him opposite of the box like or we just try to get him away from the ball as much as possible because a kid is just a freak like he could change change the game and I remember the first round ball off the wing he picks it up he's going down and he shoots it and I went oh shit this is gonna be a long day I remember that exact I me and Mitch looked at each other and I went god I hope this works <laughs> and, and so like we we took a ton of risk but uh, uh you know like it was the one game that you know i'll remember i'll, I'll remember that game there's three ga there's three games i'll remember at maryville um and that's one of the three i think the biggest one that i'll remember is the year we had covid the next year um we weren't having a great season right off the bat i think we played five games i think we were like two and three but we played like some really good team like Lenore Ryan. And well, we, we, COVID happens. Rollins is supposed to fly to us. They, they call us, say, hey, they're out. And once that happened, I knew the dominoes were going to fall apart. 
um, which is a, as a coach is a whole new different ball game. Like you have to go into the locker room and go, guys, the season's over, you know, Canadians got to go back home, um, you know, and, 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 and like, it was, it was very strange. We even had a German national player on that team. Um, so COVID happens. Uh, we, we make it pretty far into, into, uh, we make the playoffs that, that, that previous year, um, Luke ended up our first all American in program history. So within two years, we had an all American, um, you know, and it, we had a ton of all conference nods, special defensive side, offensive side, um, goalie, goalie of the year, um, a freshman of the year. Like we had all these, like, it just, it was an awesome year. Um, we go to the COVID year. We, we, uh, that, that year gets, gets, gets knocked early, um, knocked out early. And then the next year we come back and it was my fourth year being the assistant there. Coach Stark had taken over, uh, Mitch Schaefer, uh, ended up going back home to Buffalo. Um, and, uh, he, so he stayed home after COVID, um, and uh, Coach Stark took over, and honestly, it was the first year where I was like, I'm going to change the way I coach. Um, I started really focusing on being a head coach. Uh, you know, like, I-, I focused on being just a good coach, you know, and really caring about my guys and, you know, kind of doing whatever the assistant coach ne- or the-, the-, the head coach needed at the time, and I think that that next year in Maryville, I really dialed it in as a coach. Um, I started paying attention to more analytics. I started um, understanding offenses, defenses. I said, this is going to be the year that I'm going to change my career. And um, I looked at it that way. And COVID was still around. We were supposed to play UND first. We didn't end up playing them. So then we were going to play Lindenwood after that. This was a this was a home and home schedule. So we played twelve games. Everybody in the GLBC. We're playing like week three at this time, our first game, and we're playing Lindenwood, and we beat them in OT. And Stark was the coach at at Lindenwood. Had his kid that same week. Um. So, so, so had his, uh, he, he was in and out of the office all week for obvious reasons, right? Like, um, it was one of the toughest scouts I've ever done in my life. Um, but I sat in there for two weeks and I said, okay, how are we going to beat these guys? This is what we're going to do. I guarantee they're looking over us. Let's go ahead and, and surprise them a little. And then the guys went out and won it. And it was, it, the crazy part is, is that, the seniors that year had gotten their asses kicked by this team for so long. And I had been there with them the whole time. That is the one game I will remember the rest of my life, just because I got to look at my seniors and finally they're just like, we did it. We did it. And it was our best. I I think it was honestly our best year as a program. And then we go out and we beat Rockhurst um, and we get all the way to number 12 in the country um, in our fourth year as a program, which is, which is nuts. Um, and I mean, we kind of t- tallied off at the end of the season. Uh, we didn't end, finish there, but um, it was cool to see the guys that I came in with really go out with a bang. 
And I think that's those are those are probably the three games I'll always remember. It's the Rockhurst game because they usually beat the hell out of us. Um, the St. Leo game and the the Lindenwood game. Um, yeah, I mean, not not to backtrack, but your um, I, I agree with you. Your strategy was phenomenal. I mean, we literally. I remember the first man up shift, like six on six, whatever. Like it, like we just play. Like there's not as a coach, like when it's six on six, there's not much you can do. The game's on. The players just got to play. But we we yep. go into our first man up, and like I'm like I'm at like the top righty spot, so like I'm close to like your bench, and all of a sudden like I hear like literally the ref's just about to blow the whistle. And I hear like you yelling, you're like, oh, like I, I yelled the play out. I was the one that was supposed to call the play. So I call the play out and literally I hear you. Oh, it's this. They're doing this, this, this. And then this is good. This is, this is who's going to shoot. And I literally turned around and I was like, I'm pretty sure I said something to you. I was like, are you fucking serious? I was like, literally, <laughs> you had it all picked out. I was like, fuck. I was like, like, we're just like, it's, oh. and then we ran it and it like did nothing because they knew exactly the play. They were already pre-slid. It was like, it was bad. Like it was just, I literally turned around and I was like, yep, this is, this is how this game's going to go. Well, th- that's the thing is those guys bought into being that underdog. Like it, I, I said, why not now? Like, why is it not now? You know, like, why aren't we making, let's make the step now. Why are we waiting? And I mean, we had a ton of skill on that team, a very young, young team. I mean, we started two attackmen that were freshmen um the whole defense was sophomores except one guy um uh you know the goalie was a freshman and he i want to say he had might have had 23 saves it was a big game Um, for him i remember that he was killing us yeah yeah he was james old dewitt kid from from syracuse and um we had a james old dewitt defender um jake sosha who was an absolute freak um (laughs) he's awkward because he's like six five lengthy had an amazing that some of the stuff this kid was pulling off of the deep hole i was just like this kid should be playing d1 somewhere but he just didn't he didn't have that that crazy athleticism that where he could jump through the roof but god damn that kid was smart he was a very good takeaway guy and like it was it, it was a perfect storm for us you know like it really was and then i remember <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of funny. I, I remember we ran your clear against you guys. <laughs> we ran short to bump against you guys. And Philip Bouquet turns to me and he goes, is that short to bump? And I, go, <laughs> I just wink at him. <laughs> and he's like, you know, he, he just starts, he, he just starts dying laughing. And it's just like, it's like, uh, but again, like the players went out and won that game. Man. Like it's, I, I really believe it's my job to give these guys an environment to where they can compete every game. And then it's their job to win the game. You got to put the ball in the back of that. You got to come up with the big GP. You got to, you got to do what's asked of you. You got to make the adjustments too. Like if you see something, it's your job to communicate that to a coaching staff. Maybe I didn't see it, you know, and we're really trying to teach that here now, but I, it's honestly what I, I learned the most from Mitch, you know, like I always felt like as a player, I had the the ability to change a game no matter what, you know, even if I was in for my, uh, you know, my, my 32nd rep, um, I felt like every ground ball is going to change the game, you know, and any mistake I made was going to change the game. And I don't know if you remember this, but we played Lynn my senior year and I pick up a, 
we make a huge stop on man down. I pick up the ground ball and fake one guy. I mean, I'm in the middle of the field, right in front of the crease, fake one guy to drag him, get it to my left and try to shovel pass it up the field because I saw Tyser streaking. And I was like, okay, we're about to push transition. I'm about to make a play here. And I didn't make many plays. Like I was so consistent with what I did. I was not, but for some odd reason, I tried to go outside the norm for me. And I pick up the ground ball and I'm looking upfield and I see Tyser streaking and I'm literally going to shovel past this to him. And I'm like, this is going to, this is going to look awesome. And Lynn had this guy that was like six foot seven, comes out of nowhere, catches the ball, shoots it on Tom, scores. <laughs> and I came off the field just yelling, yelling, because I just I was like, I do not make mistakes. Like, and took my helmet off and slammed it down and was just like, just yelling. And Jorgensen walks over to me and goes, you know, I literally, I can't put you back in now, right? And sure enough, I think somebody got hurt. I think somebody got hurt. So he took me out for one rep. Somebody gets hurt and he's like, Bert, go back in. And I'm like, oh, well, there you go. <laughs> but it bothered me to no end till the next game. Like I remember sitting on the ground and Gilmore saying, bro, like we were going to lose this game either way. And I was like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like that mistake still, mistakes compound, right? And that mistake haunted me for a whole week where I was like, I am not making that mistake again, you know? And um, I was just that type of type of person. And I tried to do that as a coach and it didn't work. It didn't work. Um, you know, like I'm going to get out coached sometimes and sometimes I'm not, but it's my job to be prepared and make sure that my guys can compete and let them go out and play. And it's something I, I learned from Mitch um, very, very quickly is, I mean, guys love playing for him because he was loose he was fast with it. Like he had a ton of IQ. He was young, so he could really talk to the guys a different way. Um, and I had this unique perspective where I got to observe all of this as a as a as a 31 year old fresh out of college. Um, kind of got to look at it and go, okay, well, this is this is different. Um, and everybody has their own leadership style. So that I think that's that's kind of the other piece to it is that Mitch had this very much a players players coach mentality. And I was a little bit more of the disciplinarian, you know? And so most, most people will say the assistant coach needs to be your friend and the head coach, if, if he's pissed off, then, you know, something's wrong, right? Like when Jorgo put us on the line, we were like, okay, he knows, <laughs> <laughs> he knows, he knows what happened. All right. Let's, let's get this over with, um, you know, we knew that we messed up. Right. Um, it was the opposite with me and Mitch, but they were like, well, Burke's going to kill us. So um, we, we need to make sure that, you know, it was, it was definitely a different dynamic, but I learned so much from that, man. And it, it really is putting our guys in a position to compete and letting them go out and play. And I, to this day, I, 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 I still use that. That's, no, what, that's our biggest, that's our biggest piece now. So yeah. I mean, well, before like we wrap up, obviously now you're you're at Wabash. I mean, that's this is your second year, correct? Third, yep, second year. Yeah, second year. Um, obviously, you guys already like obviously off the top of my head, I don't know the record, but like I, I followed you guys last year, and I was like, wow, like 
first year in there, you already making some noise, doing some stuff. And like, you guys are killing it. Like the social media game is fire. You guys are like those videos and stuff. Like you guys got some, some six swag. Like you guys are looking good. I mean, I, I know you treat your players well, but wow. I mean, I was, I was impressed. I was like, I got to get myself one of those shirts. I was like, I got to be repping Wabash, but uh, give, give, you, give you a little time. To, yeah. Give you a little time to talk a little bit about kind of how you kind of stepped into that role and kind of where you're headed. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it, it really had to feel like a home if I was going to leave, you know, a team that I thought was number 12 in the country, you know. Um, and I felt like I needed another challenge. Um, you know, I it was one of the hardest phone calls was to tell the guys I was leaving to be a head coach. <laughs> you know, um, it was it because I, I loved every single one of those guys and I recruited about 95% of that roster those couple of years. And so... Um, I really looked at it and went, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to, I'm going to have to, I'm going to get out of my comfort zone a little bit. Um, and not many people get an opportunity to be a head coach within four years of their starting their profession as a, as, as a professional coach. And so I, I, I honestly found a spot that felt like I was the guy. Um, and I think, um, that's a unique spot to be in. Like I wasn't given the job, I I had really earned it, and they felt like I I really really fit the school really well, you know. Um, for us at lacrosse wise, man, like lacrosse is easy as hell, you know. Jorgensen said that a million times, and I I a hundred percent agree with him. Lacrosse is easy, but the, the the hard part is is getting good dudes in the room, and there's no equation for it. You just got to kind of go with the guys that kind of fit you, and um, I think that was our main pieces. When I first got here, I'm the fifth head coach since 2015 and there's no consistency. Um, the area wasn't very well recruited. You know, you didn't, didn't recruit very well in their backyard. I came in with a freshman class of four. We had 12 last year. Um, we already have, we have nine as of right now in the 23 class that, that are, that are looking to come here in the, in the fall of, uh, 23. And so we've already doubled that class and it's only October. Um, and so like, we're, we're really trying to build this with the right dudes. There's good lacrosse in Indiana. Finding those guys is a big piece. Um, but the other piece of it is, is that this school is incredible. This is a really good school. This isn't a division two athletically driven institution. This is an academic institution that is really driven for relationships and alumni. And they do that very, very well. And so I'm now being able to recruit guys to a school that I couldn't get into. <laughs> um, it, it's kind of ironic in a lot of ways, but um, you know, I, I, I really just love providing an opportunity for kids to graduate from here. I think our median income after 10, 10 years is $150,000, which is incredible to think that as a 34 year old, you'll be making 150 K as a median. Right. And so like, um, I really look, look at it as I'm providing an opportunity. And if we win and lose games, it's, it is what it is. You know, I, I, I love lacrosse. Um, but I don't think I was ever a lacrosse player in college. I think I was something else. And I think that perspective, um, looking back at it has given me a different and unique coaching style in the fact that I could care less about the wins and losses. Now I hate losing and I really want to win, 
Um, I'm very competitive and I'll do whatever I can to do that. But I think at the end of the day, it should be about the 40 years after, after college. And, um, you know, I take a look at some of the guys that graduated my program or graduated with us. And, you know, if I can help my guys now, you know, get further in life, then that should be my goal. You know, most of us don't play in the PLL or, <laughs> you know, you, you're going to carry on and, and, and do something big. And so if I can provide them tools and a good environment to where they feel like they're having a great experience. And then on top of that, getting a great education and then going on and utilizing that education. Um, I think, I think I should be pretty damn happy with that. Um, now I do want to win a lot of games. Um, they will get there because I'm getting the right dudes in the room. And to be honest with you, it's a, it's part of what, what I learned at St. Leo. If we have good dudes in the room, it will eventually happen. It will turn into something. Um, and that's what we're focused on here is getting good dudes in the room and the guys that are in the room, we're going to give them a hell of an experience and, you know, uh, and continue to push them. I think that's the biggest piece is that I feel like as a college coach, I really have the ability to help these guys, not just give them the tools, but also hold them accountable to their goals. Like if you're going to come to Wabash and your goal is to be a, you know, a financier or a lawyer, you want to get into law school. Um, am I having that question with that kid, right? Like, what are you doing right now to get you into Penn? Well, coach, I, I haven't done anything. Well, now, now, now I'm going to hold your hand a little bit and we're going to get there. And if we got to take the cross off the table, we're taking the cross off the table because that's what you told me your goal was. So, and, and every kid's different, right? Like some kids are going to come in here and go, coach, it's all about the lacrosse. And, you know, I know I'm going to go out and do great things when I get out of college here, but I, I really want to win some games for you. And if that's the case, then I'm going to ask him something totally different. How much, how, how much wall ball you play today? <laughs> you know? Um, but I think at the end of the day, man, we're getting good dudes in the room, but they're all looking at the 40 years after college. And um, it's, it's different, man. It's, it's a different ball game here. So, and then last year, I mean, we, we only had 20 dudes, you know, and so we closed the gap on a lot of teams that beat us by 10, 15 goals. We scored more goals against teams that we hadn't in the past. So those are like small wins, right? Like taking the small wins and looking at them and going, okay, there's progression here. Um, we improved in, I think, 30 statistical categories last year. Um, our clearing percentage and our man down percentage went up almost 15 to 20%. Um, so it's those little pieces and nothing changed. The personnel didn't change, right? Um, and so this year is a little bit more about the lacrosse. And I, you know, we, we, we don't have a huge roster again. It's a niche school. And, you know, the other part is, is I lose guys because they are academically driven, you know, like, and when a guy comes in and goes, coach, you know, I really, you know, I'm a senior and I really want to focus on getting a job. Um, lacrosse is kind of in the way. It's a, it should be a celebratory thing, you know, like the kid's getting into law school because he's deciding to take something off the table. And does it suck that it's lacrosse? hundred percent. Um, but at the end of the day, like I want to help provide that kid support to where he feels like he can come back in the office and go, coach, I got in. And, you know, I really appreciate some of the stuff that you taught me and it, it, dude, it's it's different ball game here for sure, but it's just a different ball game. I learned so much in the past four years; it's absolutely insane. 
And to be honest with you, as, as a, you said some really nice things earlier um, about just being a leader to St. Leo. And I look back and I was kind of a dick uh, to a lot of people. I know. A lot of people, I was either, you either liked me or you hated me. And I was okay with that. And I don't know if I would have done it too much different, but I would have done, I would have spoken to certain people a different way. Like I, I continuously learn about little pieces like that. Like I destroyed friendships because I was just so driven. And I was like, listen, if you're not going to get me there, then I'm going to find somebody that does. And I'm going to go ahead and, and, and attach myself to those people. And um, some people got left behind in that, in that sense, you know, and I still sometimes have that, that little brief thing where it's like, you know, I'm, I'm that competitive and I drive away some guys, but at the same time, the guys that I do have are all in, you know, and it, it, it's one of those things that I, I, I think I would still do it the same way, maybe critique some small pieces of it. But I mean, I, I was a captain that just didn't give a shit, you know, like, I don't care what your excuse is. That guy's got no legs and he's going ahead and left in, you know, like you're, you're not going to give me an excuse, but you know, like I couldn't even walk after practice. So it's like, I, I, Oh, your, your knee, your knee hurts. Well, I have no cartilage, so I'm, I'm <laughs> I have arthritis, <laughs> you know? Um, so it was one of those things where I kind of looked at it that way as a, as a, as a leader and, I think that's honestly pushed me to be a better coach. Um, but again, like I, I look at it and I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I'm privileged to be here at Wabash and be a head coach. You know, there's not many programs in this country um, or, or just in the world in general. And I get to be a head coach of one and help try to turn it around. And they chose, they think I'm the guy and um, it's, it, it's pretty privileged, but I learn something new every day, but I always think back to stuff like that and, kind of look at look at that stuff and what what can I learn from it so no um, but I think we're gonna do some big things here man I really do like I think at the end of the day if you work hard it eventually comes to you you know and you 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 still you breed that mentality within your team but it also attracts a lot of people that you wouldn't expect you know um and so we're starting to make waves with some of these guys that we're talking to and they're like well, how are they getting them? like they didn't get them last year well I'll tell you how we're getting them we we care like we we're trying to really push it and do it the right way and what we believe is the right way. And we're going to continue to do it the way we're doing it. And we're not going to apologize for it um, at all. And I, I think that mentality has really gotten us some really good dudes in the room and we're an all male school too. So this, the school itself already attracts a certain type of person. Um, so there, there, there's a couple pieces to it, but I think we're building this thing the right way. And I mean, our scrimmage went, went really well this fall and looked really good. And on the offensive and defensive side, I think we made a ton of improvement. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm really excited to see what these guys are going to put together and see where, see what, see what games we might, we might win that we didn't win the past, past year. No, so. of course. I mean, that, that's your, I, I think you're like, after talking with you a couple of weeks ago and we were briefly chatting about what you're building and stuff, I, I think you're definitely doing it the right way. And like, if people, if people don't want in on that, then on to the next, you'll find someone that, that wants to fit into your mold and kind of how you build a program. 
Um, and yeah, don't get me wrong. There was days where I hated you. I was like, I was like, <laughs> fuck Chris. Like he's pissing me off today. Don't get me wrong. There was days like that. But at the end of the day, I knew you were doing it for the right reasons and you were pushing people and pushing me for the right reasons. You weren't doing it because you hated me. You were doing it because you wanted to see the best in me and help me be a part of the team and make sure that I was doing my part to make the team successful. If I was slacking, you were, you were letting me know. And that's, that's how it should be, especially as a leader. I mean, dude, it's like, we had so much talent on that team as me as a senior. I mean, if you really think about it, did we start anybody different the year you guys went to the national championship? No, it literally is like every game. That's every what Jor- Jorgo says the same, like he, like we've talked about it a million times, but literally like, we had like a handful of like players that like, so like other than like you, um, Buckley, like Coughlin, Cav, other than that, our roster was like the exact same the year yeah. after. And we went to the national championship. Like no incoming freshman did anything crazy. Um, like we didn't have any. Taylor, crazy. Taylor, Taylor was added, right? Yeah. So Julian was huge, obviously. But other than that, that was like, that was our only huge like addition. The rest of our roster was pretty much the exact same minus the U4. Um, so like, and U4 were, like key players so like that like made a big difference like we should have if we put it all together we should have had at least a decent run we didn't even make the conference tournament like like we we sucked like we were bad we lost i think we lost like six games in one goal or two goals or something like like that's the weird thing about this game is that the next year you guys won what seven games by a goal yep it flipped it flipped but i think when i talked to ryan and i talked to jorgensen i think I asked him, I was like, so what's different? You know, I, I, I put it in the group chat. I don't know if you remember this, but I put it in the group chat and I go, was I the, was I the fucking problem? <laughs> <laughs> you had a couple of beers and you were like, okay, now it's time to bring it up. Am I the issue? Was it my fault? Yeah, I, was I the issue? You know, uh, was I the problem? And, and to be honest with you, Brian and Jorgensen said the same thing. They go, the players took control. man. The players took control. They finally, I think, that senior class finally said, you know what, we're going to change this. We're going to change it. You know, the Gilmores, the Powells, um, we're going to change this. The Bi- Jake Bai was a senior that year too, right? There's yeah. a ton of talent on that team. And Sarekia was a, was a senior that year. Yeah, right? Tucker, yeah. Tucker, yeah. Tom. Tucker, Tucker. Um, can't leave out Tucker, man. He's a good ball player. Um, right. Tom, you know, like they finally said, you know what, we're going to change this. We're going to change the outcome of the season. And to be honest with you, those words always stuck with me. I mean, I, I found that out as a first time assistant coach, right? Like hearing that from the coaching staff, like, Hey, the players are doing this. Well, we didn't do that last year, you know? Um, and I try to instill in our guys now is like, guys, I, again, I'm going to create an environment that's going to allow you to compete and have fun and, and play the game. But um, you got to go win the game. You got to go win the game. you got, I always tell the guys, uh, I tell people all the time that the players create the identity of the team. You know, it's my job to kind of provide a culture and an environment to where that can grow. Um, but the identity of the team is created by the players and the style they want to play and how they want to go ahead and develop. And um, I think I learned that because of you guys going on that championship run and having been in that locker room the year prior, understanding that we had the same damn talent the year prior. You know, um, we lost Rob Cavs that year. Rob Cavs, Pena, those guys were in my in my class. Um, but for the most part, the talent stayed. Like you guys were skilled as hell, you know. And so it was again, it was really cool kind of seeing you guys 
go on that run. Um, but it was also insightful. Like I, I, I learned a lot through that experience. It was like, damn, I should have stayed for a fifth year. Brought <laughs> <laughs> my brother said the Mount Olive game changed everything for you guys. Hundred percent. That was yeah. That was like our only our only regular season loss. Um, yep. Like we were like by one goal too, right? Yep. It was over. No, it wasn't overtime. It was one goal though. I always hated playing those guys. Yeah, that was the only time I've ever played them. Oh, okay. But we went to play them my freshman year. It was a, it's like triple overtime or something. I think they had the, they had two brothers on their team. I can't remember who they were though. God, it's so long ago. Um, They beat us in overtime, but it was like a mud pit because they didn't have turf and it was just people sliding all over the damn place. It was wild. It was wild. But I hated, like, anytime he said, hey, we might go to Mount Olive, I was like, do not do that trip. He loved hitting those Carolina teams. And I was just like, ugh, <laughs> for spring break. Yeah, they're good, like, rank, like, they're good ranked games. So it does help, like, strength. Yeah, the trip sucks. <laughs> well, this, I, I learned it. I, I also learned this from, from Jorgensen. Um, our spring break's in Virginia Beach this year. <laughs> I was like, Guys, we're going my hometown. We're going to my turf. We're going to play two ODAC teams. We're going to go play Hampton. Um, you know, I, I, I'm really excited to kind of get these guys a, a really unique experience that this program's never done. Um, and if we win those games, awesome. Great, right? Like, that's a big step in the right direction. If we go out there and lose those games, we're not supposed to win them anyways. Like, that's the best part about coming into a program that – Nobody expects to do things. The expectations outside of our locker room are are are, are very small, right? Um, in our locker room, they're very big, and so it, it's always fun to to overreach and and actually connect on one of those. Like we're not supposed to win any of those games. If we walk away with one win in an ODAC conference, or doesn't matter where that person ranks in the ODAC, like that's something that a lot of these Midwest schools aren't taking the shot to do. And so we said, screw it, let's try it and see what happens. Um, worst case scenario, we lose three games that we're not supposed to win anyways. So um, again, like another thing I learned from Jorgensen is enjoy your spring break a little bit, you know, yeah, he, Take he, care he, of and then be in a place where you can enjoy it, not limestone. He fucking took us to Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> they lose a good town though. Oh, See, were you guys were you guys messed up? Well, you guys went to the Walmart and there was a shooting, right? Yes. <laughs> First off, you guys didn't ask me what parts of St. Louis not to go to. You went I mean, to we the went, north side. Yeah, like we went down. Michigan. We did the tourist stuff. We went downtown, and like it's like whatever. Like I'm sure it's a cool city, but like I don't know. I I, I don't see myself ever making stepping foot back in St. Louis. It didn't do it for me. <laughs> Maybe in the you summer. Know what it reminded me of it. Reminded me of Calgary. So for, for, for you Canadians out there, um, we recruited very heavy out of Calgary. So when I went to Calgary, I was like, wow, this is actually very similar. St. Louis, very similar, like demographic, um, the same type of environment. Um, but you guys also ate salt and smoke the day before the game. Is that correct? Did I hear that? I have no idea. I don't even remember. Oh my God! Eating barbecue, Missouri barbecue before a game. That's I think we good. did actually. It was actually really good though. Yeah, oh yeah! Oh yeah! It's really good. Balls are good though. <laughs> it didn't pay off. It did not pay off. You should probably save that for after the victory. 
Yeah, no. I mean, linen, <laughs> Lindenwood, Lindenwood, um, they felt our, they felt our anger. They felt the wrath. Yeah, two days later, <laughs> they felt our wrath. Yeah, it's funny when Stark took over the job at, at Maryville, he, he always brought up that game. He's like, you guys should never won that game. And we're like, but well, we did. So, <laughs> I don't, I, you know, because like, he was the defensive coordinator at Lindenwood. And so uh, when you guys played him, and and so we we would always go back and forth with that, and that was kind of funny in the office because it should never beat Salem, but but we did. So <laughs> and then you guys went in and mopped them. Yeah, no, fuck we them. always we always did well against those guys though. Yeah, I've, I've never lost a close game against Lindenwood. No, we usually beat them by like four, five. Yeah, even when they, I mean, first off, never go to Florida; it's a trap. Yeah, it's a hundred percent a trap. Like when people tell me, "Yeah, we're gonna do our spring break in Florida," I'm like, "Well, there's two losses for you, man." <laughs> like, it doesn't matter who you play. That conference, that conference is tough. And then on top of that, like you're walking by your locker room and the pool's right there, and just so honey walking team. around. Yeah, so is the volleyball team. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, "What are you doing? Like, why would you do that to yourself?" Doesn't make any sense, man. Makes no sense. But they would do it. They would do it. They, like teams would do it. Like we beat LIU. My freshman. That was my, year. That was my first college game. Yes, yes. They 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 were ranked what number six in the country. Yep. And they mopped us the year before because we we played it like. Oh, man. That was my first year. So that was my sophomore year. That was my sophomore year. We beat LIU, but they were number six in the country. And they came to us for their first game, and we beat them by like what three or four? Yeah, I think we beat them by three, and put us on the map. Put us oh on yeah, the map but then the yeah, we were we and were here, we, and then we were. Pew! Then we lost all those games by like five, six, you know, like one goal. You know? The week after, the week after, we went to Limestone and got pumped by like eight. <laughs> yes, that, yes. Wait, was that my senior year? Yeah, that was, that was my, my freshman year. year. Holy shit! It's all one big blur, man. It's all one big blur. Um, yeah, I, that was the game that I called my dad. And I was like, it's like, you're not supposed to be on the field, man. Chill out. <laughs> um, but no, that it, it, I mean, we lost a lot of games. I, we, that was also the, the year we lost to Lynn by like three or four. Um, I'm trying to think. Well, I mean, now it's blowing up down there. I heard Nova Southeastern is supposed to have a team. Yep, they're starting next year. Gonna be tough to recruit places like St. Leo when you got places like that. It's tough, man. That's that plays a gold mine. Whoever gets that job has a has a little, lot easier of a job. I mean, it's basically the UT of the West Coast of Florida or the yeah, East Coast. It's literally like, yeah, it's Fort Lauderdale. Like yeah. they're using the like they're using the old Miami Dolphins facilities. Like it's gonna be stupid there. Yeah. Like it's, literally, like that list, that list of um, people applying is going to be long. Oh, I mean, you're going to get D1 guys going to that. 100%. Like, when, 100%. when Tampa opened up, the the names that popped up for that one. I can only I imagine. Mean, it was incredible. It was incredible. But, like, how are you not a, a retired D1 guy and going, well, I'm just going to go retire in Florida then and still coach. Exactly. At, at a different level, you know. And it's 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 crazy. It's crazy. I heard people that were going to apply for that, and I was like, bro, like, that's that's a tough get for you. 
it's, it's it just is like I I I I love the mid I love I love the fact that you're doing it and you're motivated, but that's I mean that place is a gold mine. I thought Flagler is a gold mine. I loved St. Augustine. I love that. that downtown St. Augustine is a cool spot. Yeah, when you're in cool spots, it's easier to do a lot of stuff. Hey, you don't know, talk okay. don't I'll talk be bad about beautiful Dade City. All right, Dade, you haven't been to Dade City in a while. You should see downtown. It's popping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wonder how my house is doing. <laughs> oh, I forgot about your house. Yeah, bought a house there. Bought a house there. Um, well, that you know, like I enjoyed Date City because it was quiet, but we could still go places. You know. Yeah. No, we still had our spots. We we had our spots, right? And it was it made it more of a unique feel. Like people, it was always funny going to play people, and they all thought we were like country people. <laughs> you know, it was like that guy's from Long Island. Like he's he's from Nassau. <laughs> what are you talking about we just people that just wanted to be left alone and play lacrosse and go to school like that's that's what it was and um you know it was it was a really cool environment because of that like it was it was it's a unique environment man it really is like when people ask me about it you know you got ut down the street and you got you know rollins in downtown orlando and you know um florida southern's being built up in lakeland um date city is way different than all of those areas by a lot. Oh yeah. Um, but, you, but you can still get to those. You can still get to those areas if you really wanted to go. You know. No, yeah, we, yeah. we definitely we definitely still had our fun. Um, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I actually I actually found a funny picture that I completely forgot about. That um, it's it's not inappropriate. So I'll uh, I'll, I'll clip it on this clip. But uh, what, do you remember? <laughs> do you remember the beach day when we crashed that wedding? Oh yeah, yeah. We crashed the wedding. We were standing behind them when they were getting married. Yeah, I have a picture of me and you literally just crushing a beer and like the wedding is like right behind us. <laughs> I forgot about that. I forgot about that. Well, there was, I mean, there was times I rented a boat and just went out there. I was like, all right, well, I mean, I was old enough to. So yeah, <laughs> like, you're, yeah you put in the group chat, dad's running a boat this weekend. Like, do, do my sons want to come out for a rip? <laughs> it was it was definitely it, dude it was a good time man and like kind of getting back to that locker room a little bit i'll, I'll kind of leave you with this um I, I i know we're running out of time here but uh dude like that locker room normalized me and it, it meant a lot to me um you know and it i probably didn't tell the guys how much it meant um but not a lot of people know that I, like i went through a divorce while i was in college that's wild Imagine going into Jorgensen's office and going, hey, if I'm off today, it's because, you know, I'm getting separated. Well, see you out on the field. <laughs> and, and But so, like, when people talk about, like, lacrosse being a medicine game, it actually was for me. I had a lot of stuff going on in my head and, um, you know, not just with, you know, with school, the stress of going to school. But just the environment, the changing of environment, and the transitioning from being, you know, in combat to normal day life to honestly the extreme of normal day life, right? Like being a college student is a lot different than just going to work every day, <laughs> you know. And so I, I was thrust upon this, this, the, you know, like just kind of in this environment to where I had guys to my right, my left, and we all loved the game of lacrosse. But even then. I didn't really love the game of lacrosse at that point. Like I, you know, I, I hadn't played in 10 years. I just trying to figure out where I fit in the world. And 
you know, like what most kids do when they go to college, right? I was still in that same situation. I wasn't who, who I wanted to, who I wanted to be just yet, you know, like I was still being molded. Um, and I think going through the other side of that is, you know, obviously going through a divorce while you're in college is very rare. <laughs> um, um, and I'm very open about talking about it because it, it, I really got so much out of that experience because the guys in the room really rallied around me and they're like, Hey, this guy's probably got some shit going on. We should kind of, kind of pull him away from it a little bit. And we should probably just introduce him to who we are. And it's dude, again, like it, it, it just made me a better, a better person and a better coach um, and a better teammate because I, I wanted, like, I, I look at that game and I look at, like, I tell my guys all the time, this is the best two hours you're ever going to spend all day. Should be, it should be. If it's not, then it's probably the wrong spot for you because it's my favorite two hours of the day is going out and, and coaching the boys up and having a good time. And it might be stressful. It might be, you know, like I might be, you know, on some, on something one day and then like really just like going after guys. And there might be days where I'm a little bit calmer and it's a little bit, but at the end of the day, you're playing a great game. Like it's just such a phenomenal game and you're doing it with your boys. And I, I can't stress that enough is that that locker room really dialed that part in, you know, like if I didn't have that locker room, I wouldn't be where I am today and teaching the things that I teach now, um, building it with the locker room first. I tell our guys that these are guys that are going to be in your wedding, you know? And, um, I think, um, I think I really believe that, you know, and it's because of you guys, man, it really is like Jorgensen did a great job managing, managing that team. Cause we had a lot of, a lot of weirdos in there. Um, we had a lot of different types of people, um, me being one of them. Um, but I think on top of that, like the group was so different. I mean, we had what, like 13, 14 Canadians. We had a bunch of New York kids. We had a couple of Indiana guys. We had Midwest guys. We had Florida kids. We had, um, you know, a veteran, you know, like it was such a unique environment. Um, and I owe, I owe a lot of what I do today because of the guys in that locker room and the things that we did in that locker room. And it, it's a reason I still do what I do. It's like, I, I hope to replicate that type of environment for somebody else so they can get the same, that I, same stuff that I got out of it. And you guys, you guys, I, I mean, again, like there was probably times that we could look at it and so you could easily say that the guys in that room might've saved my life. Like it's, it's that type of environment. Uh, in, in college and if I can replicate that in, in, in my locker rooms and that's what I want and that's why I do what I do is to try and teach that same experience so you know you said a lot of good things about me earlier but I never tell you guys enough that that locker room meant the world to me and that's why I worked so hard and that's why I tried to hold you guys accountable so much is because I knew what you guys could accomplish and I just wanted to be a part of it you know whatever role that was didn't really, didn't really matter to me um, whether I was going to get on the field or not. I mean, it might've angered me coming off the field when I was doing well, but um, I just wanted to, to play my role and be a part of something that, that could do great things. And I think you guys did that, man. I mean, you guys were the first Florida school to, to make it to the national tournament. Like that's pretty, that's pretty legit, man. 
<laughs> yeah, it's pretty no. cool. So. No, we definitely like like you said that that group was phenomenal, and like we went on to have many groups after that. Like Gino's class was a phenomenal group of guys as well. Like we, St. Leo kind of just did that, um, and that was awesome. And vice versa, man. Like like I said earlier, but I know you just said that you we did a lot for you, but you did way more for us than we can ever thank you for. And I know I'm not just saying that myself. I've talked to many guys. We've talked just about guys we played with, and obviously you come up all the time. Um, and it's 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 very very bad. Thank you for good reasons. That guy's well, a maniac. Uh, there's, there's, all, there's also there's also some other reasons, and there's also some fun like fun stories that we can't talk about on here that we brought up and talk about. Um, good memories, but no man, like a hundred percent, like you without you in that locker room, it would have been a completely different environment. Like when things went bad like it sucked and we were we struggled my first year and being like a 17 year old kid coming to a different country um and like having someone like you there to kind of like i go out to practice and i'm like ah, i don't really want to be here and then like we're like running sprints whatever and like you're running past me and saying like fuck you like run faster like i know you're faster and i'm like all right shit like this guy's running past me and i know i can beat him so like i need to run faster <laughs> like just little shit like that and just like like we get stripped and you're chirping and like being like come on like beat me beat me and i'm like okay like then I will, and then I do, and then I break my arm on the way by, and it's just, it's great. And then right after practice is done, like we're all angry, we're all fighting each other. The second practice is done, we're all like, all right, like what are we doing now? Are we going to Rouse for like team beers after? Are we like hanging out? Like we're all best friends the second the whistle stops, um, which yeah. is how it should be. Um, but it's a, it's a battle every day. And honestly, man, obviously we've been dying to have you on since we started. Um, so we're we're grateful that we finally got to talk with you and kind of pick your brain and kind of learn more about your story more than I already knew. Um, so I, I'm grateful and very excited to see what you guys do this year after a good year last year with some small with some small wins. Um, but other than that, man, appreciate your time. I know you're busy, um, so we appreciate it, and we'll definitely be tuning into some games. And I got to get myself a Wabash shirt. I'll, I'll swap you for a Stone shirt, dude. Send me. Um, I mean, I, I do. I've been trying to get down to an alumni game for so long, but being a coach, like George puts it in February, and I'm like. I can't get down there in that time. Um, I think I might make it this year. Yeah, Don't, I think it should, it should be early January, I'm hoping. Right. If it is, then I could probably make it. That'll be one, that'll be a weekend to remember. <laughs> my first one. I got to I got to get it in a little bit of shape. I got a couple months. Yeah, I'm but, sure uh, you're I'm sure you're all right. <laughs> I'm good for one check. <laughs> The classic. Um, no, I, I, I've been meaning to get down there, and it's just like, man, like, it, it just always coincided with something, and you know, I, I figured that I would, I would surprise the guys, just kind of show up, and just still be the oldest guy on the field. I'm, pro I mean, well, Chad's the coach there now, right? Like, yeah. so I'm older than the coaches. <laughs> you know, guys graduated four years prior to me and I'm still older than them too. So it's, you know, I'm getting closer to 40, which is wild to think about, but uh, I might wear an old school bucket and a wooden stick or something. I don't know. There you go. I, I'm going to try and make it, man. I really am. And I, I, I really miss the guys. I really do. Like, you know, I, I, I've been bouncing around the Midwest a little bit and I, I, I see the guys every once in a while, um, you know, and a couple guys reach out here and there and, you know, I, I want to say, you know, obviously you got a big following with the St. Leo guys. If they ever need anything, man, I'm here for you. Like, that goes, like, you know, it's, it's just, it's, you know, it was a brotherhood, man. And it really was. And it, it didn't, it meant a lot to me. And if you guys are watching, all you got to do is reach out. That's it, man. I'm always here for you guys. So 
For sure. Well, thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. Um, and I'm sure we'll, we'll keep in touch um, and looking forward to watching you boys kill it this year. Yeah, send me your address, man. I'll get you. Well, you don't need a hoodie. You're in Tampa. So, but I'll, I'll get your take, shirt. I'll take whatever I can get. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get you something. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll hand deliver it too. Oh, that's even better. <laughs> Cheers, brother. I appreciate you. Take care.